Turn to Psalms 145, if you would, please, in your Bibles. We'll get to that in just a moment. As, uh, as I was preparing and thinking, I was looking through some of my uh, material, and I found this, what I would consider to be almost a perfect prayer. It goes, Dear Lord, so far today I am doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, complained, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. I have charged nothing on my credit card. But I will be getting out of bed in a minute, and I think that I will really need your help then. How many of you have discovered that it's very easy to be a Christian when you're sleeping? Being a Christian asleep is so simple, but uh, the rest of life then happens. I want to share with you this morning uh, something that God has been dealing with me about in my own personal life, and that's becoming a celebrator. Pastor Darrell's been talking about the follow, the start of follow series, and part of following Christ is, is to learn how to celebrate almost every aspect of our lives. There are five things that I'm going to share with you this morning that I want to talk about that have to do with this whole issue of celebrating. What are five areas in our lives that we need to celebrate? And I'm going to be giving those to you in just a moment. But first of all, let's look at uh, the psalmist says something about celebrating. In Psalms 145, beginning in verse 1, and in particular verse 7, we'll get to that. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Celebrate. Celebrate. Then if you'll flip back to Psalm chapter 37... Verse 4, this may be a familiar passage. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, or if I could change that word a little bit, celebrate the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Celebrate, delight, celebrate. You know, we celebrate a ton of things, birthdays. Weddings, Valentine's Day, we celebrate love, we celebrate graduations, we celebrate engagements, we celebrate babies, we celebrate retirement, we celebrate promotions, we celebrate trips, we celebrate winning things, we celebrate festivals, we celebrate funerals. Wait a minute, hold on. What do you mean we celebrate funerals? Have you ever been to a funeral luncheon? You know why we do that? We celebrate being alive. Because we've just been reminded about death. 
And we celebrate the lives of those loved ones that have passed on before us. Yeah, that's a celebration. We celebrate. We celebrate. We celebrate sporting events, especially if you're a Cubs fan this year. Get, I, I wouldn't get used to that, but, you know, it's something. So, good. But, yeah, it's, it's a sad situation. Just watch out for the White Sox. But anyway, uh, celebrating, celebration, it's, it's something that we do, and we like to do that. We enjoy that. And my, my challenge for you today is, what if you came to church with that same attitude of celebration? That you were, you're coming to church to celebrate. You're coming to church to celebrate the things that God has done in your life, the things that he's done in other people's lives. The fact that you have eternity to look forward to as opposed to, to the devil's hell. Cel that you come with an attitude of celebration. Not that you come with a sense of, oh, dear God, I've got to endure this thing again. I've got to live through another church service. And I think, you know, there are, I did a little bit of study, and uh, do you realize that there are over 300 million Americans in the United States today? Of that number, about 50 million are in church on any given Sunday. That means we've got 250 million that we could work on, right? And, and why do you think people don't go to church? What are some of the excuses you've heard of that, that people have given you as to why they don't go to church? It's, I have to work, okay? Well, that's, a, that's almost a valid excuse. It's what? They sleep late. Ah, Rose, thank you. You hit it on the head. Church is boring. Have you ever been to a boring party? Have you been to a boring party? Oh, some of you. Yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised. But usually if you go to a party, if it's not exciting, you make it exciting. If you're having a party and you're afraid it's going to be boring, invite Pastor Dan. He'll fix it for you. This man's a walking party everywhere he goes. Or invite, invite both of us. Of course, then it's gone. Then it's over. It's over. You know, yeah, just tell everybody else to go home because we're good. But, but church is boring. Why is it boring? I don't understand what, this, what they're talking about. I don't get it. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. And so people, they just, you know, why do people come to church? Why do they come? Why are you here this morning? I'm here because I'm getting paid. Um, <laughs> where's Jen? I got to make sure that I don't, something doesn't happen here. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. But you see, the first question I want to answer is purpose. Purpose. Celebration always has a purpose behind it. You know, I, I read off, you know, some of the holidays and all this different stuff. But, but church, what is the purpose of church? What is the purpose? What is my purpose? The Westminster Catechism says, the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so church needs to be a place where I come to glorify God and enjoy him. And, I don't, and the enemy has somehow got it in our heads that church is a place where you come and you sit perfectly still, unless they ask you to sing or something, 
You sit there and be quiet. You reach for your wallet when it's time to do that. And you just make it to the end. And then you get to go home. And sometimes maybe early. And then it's exciting. But there's no sense of celebration. I've come to church to enjoy God. And I've fallen into this trap. There are times when I come to church, it's like, oh, whoa, man, there are so many things. It's a gorgeous day. I could have been ministering to my buddies on the golf course today. And instead, I'm sitting here. And the enemy comes along. When he hears that, when he picks up on that, he comes and he begins to, to mess with your head. Purpose. What's my purpose? It's to celebrate. We come to celebrate God. Why do we do worship? No, it's to kill 30 minutes so that we don't get out way too early. It's to celebrate the greatness of God. This morning we, we were singing again, the secret place. We were rejoicing, you know, chains falling and all these, these amazing, encouraging words. How many of you are, are grateful that, that Leanne does worship that is uplifting to God? Amen? It's, it's part of the celebration. It's, it's what should bring us into this attitude of, I have come today to celebrate God. And it kind of takes me to the second point, which is accomplishments, the letter A. Purpose, and we move into accomplishments. We sing about the great things God has done. We read in the Psalms. We proclaim, we praise the mighty acts of God. Because you see, jazz, country western, all that stuff does not exalt God. It's depressing. If you're ever in a really good mood, turn on country western music. It'll depress you. Find a jazz station. It'll put you to sleep because I don't understand this music. What's going on with it? But a great worship chorus, a great a worship hymn, a great chorus will bring you into a place where you begin to understand the accomplishments of God in your life. You will begin to worship and praise him. And, and before you know it, there is a spirit of celebration that rises up inside of you, regardless of the circumstances of life. Trust me, whatever is bugging you is out in the parking lot, and it'll be there when you leave. It's sitting in your car waiting for you. Forget about it. Because in here, this is where we celebrate. I want you to begin to view the sanctuary as a party room. This is where we come and celebrate. How many of you have gone into a banquet hall? What do you expect to happen when you get there? Chicken, yeah, obviously that, for sure. I've been surprised, though. I have gone to weddings and other things and found steak, and I'm going, hallelujah. It's a miracle. There's no chicken. It's a miracle. But you expect a, a party atmosphere. You expect to celebrate. And so the celebration needs to, needs to kick in when you walk through the door. When the greeter says, welcome. Welcome to the party is probably what we should be saying. Welcome to the celebration. We are celebrating an almighty, powerful, exalted God that has saved us, that has created a place for us for all of eternity. That, is, it, it, that ministers and provides for us in every possible way. Celebrate God. Don't exalt 
your problem. We should start having parties that for like depression things. Let's have a depression party. Everybody bring your worst, your your biggest fears, your most your biggest problems, and we're just gonna sit around and share those problems. Oh wait, that's like an AA meeting, isn't it? Never mind. <laughs> we have that. Accomplishments, the accomplishments of God. Now, what about your accomplishments? Do you celebrate your accomplishments? You say, oh no, Pastor Fred, I'm just, I just need to be humble. Baloney. Fooey, you do. If you came into my, well, you actually were in my office for a few moments. On my office wall, I have my ordination paper. I have my degree from the University of Michigan. I have my, my degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Those are accomplishments. Oh, Pastor Fred, you're just, you're just prideful. No, I'm not. I did that stuff. I paid for that. I worked through that. That's an accomplishment. And why do I have that on my wall as a reminder? Because it glorifies God. Because who helped me get through that? I should probably have my marriage license on the wall as a reminder also. <laughs> My birth certificate. I'm going to put that up there, too. I'm here. But your accomplishments, remind yourself of them. Because it's God that empowered you to do that. And this issue of this humility stuff, a lot of that is, if you give God the glory, that's, that's actually becoming a person that celebrates the accomplishments of God in your life and your accomplishments. If you have awards, if you've received those, how do you think you got those? Just by being pretty? I doubt it. Because you accomplished them and the Spirit of God was at work in you and gave you those talents. Where do you think you got those? Just woke up with them one morning? No, you developed those. You worked on those. Last Saturday night, I was at an awesome celebration. Gabby Ubaldo's birthday. That was crazy. Thank you, Dinah. That was amazing. He turned 18. That was the wildest 18-year-old party I've ever been to. That was amazing. Over 200 people just on food, chicken, and other good stuff. Amazing. That was awesome. That was, that was the best party I've ever been to. You're doing, my, you're doing my 65th birthday party, just so you know. But it was a celebration of accomplishments, the things that Gabby has accomplished in her life. It was amazing. It was, it was exciting. And God celebrates you. He dances over you. He laughs over you. He celebrates you. And so we celebrate him. Those are the accomplishments. The letter R is relationships. Celebrate relationships. The Lord gave me an amazing insight. And uh, I want you to understand something. You, your body is covered in skin. Okay? Isn't that a great insight? That was revolutionary. Your body is covered with, in skin. And that skin 
even in this audience, it, there's a variety of pigmentations that have, that have affected our, that skin. But you see, what's underneath that skin is who you are. We have put so much emphasis, and the world and Hollywood and so on, has put all the emphasis on packaging. Your skin is just your package. Your packaging. It is not who you are. And yet we get so caught up in, a, in, in relationships, in, in, in deciding on relationships based on packaging. I don't, I don't know if I like you. You don't even know the person yet, and you're making a prejudicial decision based on outward packaging. How many of you have ever gotten a package that looked pretty plain, but inside it was amazing? Thank you, Stephen. I knew I'd find something. That... It may be a plain, just a plain paper wrapped bag, you know, nothing special, and you open it up, and there, you know, there's a diamond, there's a... You know, ruby, there's a whatever. But you see, the enemy has us so convinced that packaging is really the determining factor, and that is an absolute lie. We spend billions of dollars on packaging. Plastic surgeons are making a fortune on changing packaging. And God says, I don't even look at that. I look at what's inside. Have you ever prejudged someone only to find out that they were a pretty awesome person? All of us have done it. I've done it. Seen someone, and based on the packaging, I made some assumptions. They must be, and then I filled in the blanks. And then I, then I got to know them and found out that the real person was just awesome. Phenomenal. There's a story that I heard when I was down in Indiana. A gentleman in some overalls and dirty boots and an old hat and looked pretty scruffy wanders into a car dealership and he's looking around and, the, uh, and none of the salesmen got up to even talk to him. They just all sat there. Finally, one of the young guys that was just kind of starting out, he got up and he went over to the gentleman and he said, sir, I'd like to welcome you to the dealership. Is there anything I can show you? The man said, yeah, I'm, I'm here to, I want to buy 10 cars. What? The man was the owner of the largest meatpacking business in the entire state of Indiana. He was a multi-millionaire. He was looking to buy 10 brand new Chrysler New Yorkers for his, his sales team. But because of the packaging, all the other salesmen decided he wasn't worth their time. There's another story of a pastor who wanted to teach, a, teach his congregation a very powerful lesson. And so on a Sunday morning, he, he dressed up and covered up. And he looked like a homeless person. And he sat just outside the front of the church. And he sat there right near the door. And he just was all huddled over and just obviously a homeless person. No one talked to him. Not one person stopped to see what he wanted or what he was doing there or why he was there or whatever. The entire church came in, sat down, and was waiting for the service. 
Well, the worship went on, and everybody's looking around for the pastor, wondering where he was. All of a sudden, he comes through the doors, walks down the middle aisle, and the homeless man steps to the pulpit, and they all recognized him and went, oh, no. Busted! Now, see, that would never happen here because Rex or somebody would be out there giving that guy the what for. What do you think you're doing here? Get up. But, he, but the packaging was such that it, it just, it said, don't talk to me. I'm a mess. Don't get involved in my life. Don't talk to me. Don't, don't reach out to me. God forgive us and move us past this idea of letting packaging determine who we're going to communicate with, who we're going to talk to, who we're going to reach out to, who we're going to build a relationship with. Heaven's going to be a surprising place. We're going to be pleasantly surprised, and I think we're going to be surprised because we're going to, there are going to be people there we didn't expect, and there are going to be people we expect that didn't get there for, some, for whatever reason. But the focus will be on Christ. I am so excited about this truth that God has shared with me. Packaging. Stop evaluating people based on packaging. Get past that. Find out who they really are. Everybody's got a story. Every ISIS radical Muslim has a story. Underneath that skin, there's a human being desperately seeking truth. The guys that Chris and, and the, our prison ministry reach out to and touch are, are the, you know, they're locked up. And society says these guys are just bad to the core. No, they're not. They've got stories. They've got issues. And we would look at them and say, well, the, you know, the packaging tells me that these guys are trouble. Really? Is that really what it tells you? God doesn't look on the exterior. He looks on the heart. God, give me, give me your eyes so I can begin to see into the lives of people because it gets pretty exciting when I find out who they really are. Relationships. The letter T is truth. We celebrate each other in relationships, but we need to celebrate the truth. The, uh, you know the driving force behind unbelievers today? What do you think it is that, that drives unbelievers? What is it? What's their purpose in life? Money is part of it, yep. Yeah, yeah, the, all of, it's all of, all of those. But I, the, the driving force, not just in unbelievers, even in believers, it's the trick of the enemy. Information. Think about it. Information. If I, if I came through the church today and I took away all your cell phones and, and your tablets and every, all your electronics, I just took it all away and said, you're not going to get it back ever. First of all, I'd probably be dead. Okay? But you guys, there would be an information uh, reaction. You would go into informational withdrawal. People would start shaking. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Ah! 
Oh, I just heard, oh, I, I think I got a text. Somebody likes me. Oh, Facebook post. Oh, internet. Satan has so cleverly come up with this idea with Bob Dole's help. Not Bob Dole, who was it? Al Gore. With Al Gore's help to create the internet. I don't know. That's the most, I have no idea. But the internet and Facebook and, and Pinterest and Twitter and it's information. I need information. I want more information. I need information. I need, I need, I need, I need information. And God in his still small voice says, I want to give you revelation. Oh, revelation. Yes, because revelation is truth. This book is the truth. Once we begin to celebrate the truth of God's word, then information becomes secondary. I mean, how, did, how many of you are old enough to remember when there were no cell phones? Hallelujah. I, for a time, I was working in the, uh, insurance biz, in the insurance industry as a medical examiner, and I had to carry a pager. And when that pager went off, I had to go find a, a, find a pay phone. Now, for some of you, you have no clue what that is. You paid to use a phone? What kind of a weirdo are you? So I had to go hunt down a phone so I could answer the page and find out, you know, where my next appointment was or whatever. But and my and my brother, the doctor, Axel Job, Dr. Axel Job, still carries a pager. What in the world? Now my favorite, you know the definition of an optimist? An accordion player with a pager. Expecting, I guess, something. But you see, information has just inundated us now. And we have access to thousands and thousands, yay, billions of bits of information. And we hunt that down. And we feel like if I know more, I'll be more powerful. I'll be stronger. I'll be better. I'll be whatever. Not true. You see, it's the revelation of God that sets you free. Because this is the truth. This will come as a revelation to some of you. The internet is not all true. I don't care what the commercials say. Facebook is not all true. Twitter is not all true. This is all true. We need to begin to celebrate truth. And I am so thankful again that as we come together here at church that you will hear the truth and it'll set you free. Information will not set you free. Education will not make you free. Truth will set you free. It's the only thing, truth. And then finally, we need to celebrate the power of saying yes. The power of yes. When you come into church, you need to come in with yes flowing out of your mouth. Let's all stand to worship. Yes. Let's raise our hands in praise. Yes. Not right now. I'm kidding. 
But thank you, Steve. That was a great example. See, he said yes. Yes. Let's all worship God through the giving of our offerings. Well, okay. No, yes. Yes. Let's greet one another. Yes. Let's open our Bibles. Yes. Let's see what God has to say to us today. Yes. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, I want you to do such and such. And your response is yes. Because yes is the power of agreement when it enters into a relationship with God. All of you at one point or another in your lives, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit came to you, convicted you, asked you to come and, and give your life to Christ, and your answer was yes. Too many people today are saying, not now, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't think so, maybe later. God's the only one that'll set you free is that word yes. Yes. Children have to be tra trained how to say yes. Somehow in the womb, they are taught to say no. I don't know how that happened. I don't know where that came from. But I have yet to find a, a mother of a young baby saying, now, honey, here's how we say no. No. They know how to do that already. I have no clue where that came from. Preschoolers. Okay, time to clean up. No. Come on, we have to go. No. Come on, you need to eat. No. God, deliver us from children that know how to say no. God, transform all of them into yeses. Is there ever a time when they should say no? Obviously, but I'm the majority of the time, God is looking for a yes. A yes. Let's worship. Yes. Let's give the offering. Yes. Let's open our, let's get in the word. Yes. Let's come forward in, in prayer. Yes. Let's pray for one another. Yes. Let's sign up for working in the nursery. Yeah. Wait a minute. Whoa, time out. Let me pray about that. That is the big, that, see, let me pray about it being translated no. Okay, we're looking for God to give us an out when we say, let me pray about it. Yes. Yes. Celebrating. Celebrating our purpose, our accomplishments, our relationship with God and with each other. Celebrating truth and celebrating the ability to say yes. Now, how many of you realize that what I just spelled out was the word party? If church cannot be a party, then God set us free, all of us. Heaven's going to be a party. God is going to celebrate our coming home. The people waiting for us are going to celebrate us coming home. The marriage supper of the Lamb. No chicken, okay, God? No chicken. No chicken, please. It's going to be chicken, I just know. But anyway, the celebration. And we need to practice that here. Practice celebrating now. Understand the power of that. I have a little poem that I found that uh, goes like this. I can celebrate the mess to clean after a party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. 
I can celebrate the taxes I pay because it means I'm employed. I can celebrate the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. No comment. I can celebrate my shadow watching me, be, watching me work because it means I'm out in the sunshine. I can celebrate the lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. I can celebrate the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. I can celebrate all the complaining I hear about the government because it means we have freedom of speech. I can celebrate the lady behind me in church who sings off key because it means I can hear. Don't turn around. I can celebrate the piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby. I can celebrate the alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means that I'm alive. And I can celebrate weariness and aching muscles at the end of the day because it means I have been productive. Celebrate. There's an old hymn that I want to share with you that talks about celebration. It talks about being a celebrator as we follow Christ. It goes like this. My heart can sing when I pause to remember A heartache here is but a stepping stone Along a trail that's winding always upward This troubled world is not my final home But until then my heart will go on singing until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold that city. Until the day God calls me home. The things of earth will dim and lose their value if we recall they're borrowed for a while. And things of earth that caused the heart to tremble, remembered there, will only bring a smile. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold that city. Until the day. God calls me home. This weary world, with all its toil and struggle, may take its toll of misery and strife. The soul of man is like a waiting falcon when it's released, it's destined for the sky. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold my Savior. Until the day God calls us home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Stand with me, would you please, as we close our time together. And uh, it's only 10 after 11, and I'm so sorry. Not.
Praise the name of the Lord. The blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And if you have nothing else to celebrate, celebrate the truth of that word. But you do have a lot to celebrate. Your purpose in life, God's accomplishments and your accomplishments, your relationship with him and your relationship with others. The truth, because you've heard the truth today. I've shared with you the truth. Now all you got to do is say, yes, yes, yes. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for allowing us to celebrate for a few moments in singing, in laughing, in thinking, in contemplating and in meditating on the power of your word. Father, we accept your revelation of truth into our lives so that we might go from this place now, celebrate family, celebrate friends, celebrate that waiter or waitress that may serve us in the restaurant, celebrate our, our, our own family as we sit around the table today and enjoy a meal, or we celebrate life because you have given it to us and it's eternal. And Father, we realize we're a week closer to heaven and we are ready. We are party ready in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.